pickaxe. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This program is brought to you by Resonance 104.4 FM. If you like what you hear and want to support our work, please make a donation at fundraiser.resonance.fm. <laughs> Good evening and welcome to One Life Left. My name is Steve Curran. And I'm Anne Scantlebury. And Simon Byron is absent. Yeah, he sent a request to HR asking for the day off because he had to be in a different country. Mm. And it's tricky being in two countries at the same time. How did HR feel about this? HR was fine because HR also asked for a day off in a a month or so. Is that how this works? This this is a trade? Yeah. I see. Good. Good. Yeah. Well, I'm glad... Intercompany uh, discussions are going so well. How are you, Anne? Um, do you know I'm a little bit tired today? A little bit tired. A little bit sleepy. Why is that? Uh, well, we were away at the weekend. We, we were. had a great, great time. I'm sure we're going to talk about this team building exercise a lot more later. Team building, team breaking. Either way, <laughs> um, yeah. So we got back yesterday, and I'm just a bit sleepy. Flying always makes me a little bit sleepy. Mm, did you sleep on the flight? Yes, I did. Did you? Yeah. That makes sense then. Yeah. Uh, I was also away in Copenhagen. Yeah. Had a, had a lovely nap last night. Oh, did you? Got all that out of my system. And uh, yeah, I've had a nice day today walking around walking around London. It's been a bit grim, actually, today, It has hasn't not it? been the best day hasn't in London. Hasn't it? But it's good. We are One Life Left. We are a radio show about video games. We've been doing this for 11 years. Yeah, it was our 11th birthday... Uh, a few weeks back. Mm. Didn't celebrate. We forgot. Forgot. <laughs> I remembered at 11pm, about four days later, didn't do anything about it. That's fine. That's yeah. fine. We're, we're at that age now where you don't really celebrate 11, birthdays. No one ce- celebrates an 11th birthday. Your kid gets to 11 you're like, well, I mean, you made it through 10. I, I don't know what you expect Stop from me. Stop having fun. Um, we're a radio show about video games. We do news. We do features. We do letters. We've got some letters this week, we haven't we? Thank we you. do video game music. We'll have some of that later in the show. Uh, looking forward to the reviews section, actually, this week, because Simon's not here. So if I mm. want to talk more about Zelda and say what I really think, uh, then I can. 
And we do video game guests. And even though Simon isn't here, that's been sorted. Thanks, Simon. Delighted to be joined by Stefan. Hi. From Gameville, all the way from France. Hi, thank you for having me. Is that true? You've got, have you come from France just for us? No, not you, really from France. No, the answer is for yes. <laughs> yes. Always, just for you. Uh, but you are here, that's good. Are you enjoying London? Yeah, yeah, so far so good. What's your favourite bit of London so far? Well, I didn't have much to visit yet, but um, I would say that I'm still in the face of, wow, everybody is driving on the left side of the road. Mm. That's my favourite bit too. The driving on the left is consistently impressive to have me. Have you um, had any near misses crossing the road yet? Uh, not yet. No. Just be careful. That's, okay. all, that's all I'll say. Just be careful. Just be careful. And you're launching a game next week, right? Yep. So we're going to talk about that later sure. in the show. But first, mm-hmm. we're going to start with Anne's news. For on Monday the 24th of April, I'm Anne Scantlebury and this is the news. Nintendo has discontinued production of the NES Mini worldwide. The little console came out towards the end of last year and sold out immediately. And it's easy to see why. The Nintendo Classic Mini Nintendo Entertainment System came preloaded with 30 games and plugged straight into your TV. But fear not if you didn't get one. A little birdie has told Eurogamer that the SNES Mini will be out in time for Christmas this year. The Mini NES is dead. Long live the Mini SNES. So, why do we think they've done this, Anne? Um, because they didn't think it was going to be this big, mm. and they've already had uh, the SNES, the mini SNES, um, uh, slated for production. So they were like, just get rid of the other one. Yeah, do you think that's true? I think that's possible. I think there are sort of several theories here. Right. One of them's that, that yeah. they've got the SNES all queued up. One of them I saw today is that they make so much money from selling these old games at, uh, you know, $5 a pop or whatever mm. it is, probably more. They've got a new system to do that on now, of course, the Switch. Of course. And uh, they earn a lot more money from doing that than they do from selling them for this hardware thing. However, what the hardware has done has brought those games back into the eyes of people. It's refreshed them. Now, everyone wants ice climbers again, and the only way to do it soon will be to buy the software. Perhaps. Don't know. Don't know know about that. Um, The other thing is, are we sure the SNES is coming out this Christmas? No. We're not. It's not confirmed. So when Eurogamer said a little birdie, what birdie are they referring to? Source. Source. A source close to Nintendo. Mr. Source. Mrs. Source. Ms. Don't know. Okay. I think it's logical. Yeah. Um, Obviously, I'm waiting for the mini GameCube in four years four, yeah. four Christmases time. You have to time. imagine. Um, or, alternatively, uh, the person at Nintendo who decides these things um, had bought up a load of stock, maybe even as, as many as ten, mm. uh, saw how much they started going for on eBay, realised they'd go for even more when they pulled them out of production, and went, I'm going to make a mint off of this. How much are they going for on eBay right now? So, they were selling originally, I think, for around 50 quid, and they're now going on eBay for about 250 Are you kidding me? I'm not. That is crazy. Crazy. How much is a NES? An actual NES? Don't know. No, I bet it's cheaper than that, isn't yeah. it? Mind you, it's bigger. doesn't have HDMI. Just put it in the oven. That shrinks plastic. <laughs> is that true? Yeah, you know when you were a kid, you used to put plastic things in the oven and they would shrink. No. 
I mean, Isn't that the this thing? feels this feels like a dangerous way to like. Okay, so we should talk to listeners. Say, don't definitely don't put plastic in the oven. But if you were going to anyway, do let us know how it turns out. It's official. The next Call of Duty will be set in World War Two and will be snazzily titled Call of Duty WW2. Publisher Activision hasn't revealed much beyond the setting, but more details are coming this Wednesday. In recent iterations, the series has been set in present or future conflicts, but this will take it back to its roots. And with World War Three looking more and more likely every day, what better way to prepare than to revisit the fun that was the Second World War? <laughs> OK, is that the actual title? Yeah. As like, you, I mean, have you heard someone say it? I saw it written down. Hmm. But look, but that's what they and I saw their trailer call thing of and it duty. said it said it said Call of Duty. Yeah, and then I can never remember if it's a colon or a semicolon. Doesn't well, which one is it? Two dots or the one with the comma? Two, two dots. That's a colon. Is it? Yeah, the huh? semicolon, comma. That makes sense. Yeah, colon. Okay, World War Two. It said World War Two. Yeah, WW Two. Because W is just not a snappy letter, it's is, not, it? is it? It's the least snappy letter. Yeah. VV, great. Great. That's great. great. Single syllable. VV2, but it doesn't mean anything. WW, yeah. Quicker to say World War II. It is, isn't it? Hmm. Do you think we should call them and let them know? Uh, we could do, but I don't care. Because huh. I don't care about this game very much. Do you, Stefan? Nah, not really. Not at all. Have you played any of the other CODs recently? Um, no, not a huge fan of the license anyway. Yeah, you see, the last time we, as a radio show, were interested in COD uh, was when it was COD Blops. Because it's just quite a good Because it was funny to say, and Activision yeah. issued a thing to media saying, can you stop calling it COD Blops, please? <laughs> and it turns out they... They, they, couldn't. Can't, they can't get us to stop calling it Cod Blops. Couldn't even stop us calling it Cod Blops 2. It was too late already. It was yeah. too late. So it's clear, it's important that we settle on what we're yeah. going to call this. And it sounds like we're going to call it Cod WW. Cod. Cod WWTWO. Oh, good. Really, really. Yeah, let's go for all the W's. Uh, makes sense, doesn't it, that they're doing this? Uh, do you think the kids will be interested in it again? Yeah, because. They all, always are. Like, it's always the... It's always... It always, it's always that, oh, people it? queued up really late. Do you think there's someone at Activision really hoping for a WW3? So that this will so be, like, good PR? Because they're running out of... No, not for PR, but they're oh, running okay, out sorry, of source yeah. material, aren't they? Oh. Yeah. That's what, well, they've that, started setting things in the, in the future. Right. So they have run out of... <laughs> they have run out of existing battles, so they have started making them up. Fair point. Australian snooker player, uh, snooker star Neil Robertson has spoken about his addiction to video games and how it affected his career and personal life. The 2010 world champion listed games that he was addicted to as World of Warcraft, League of Legends, Diablo 2 and FIFA 14. He told Eurosport, I was part of a raid team and we played a few nights a week when we got to China for a snooker tournament. I was trying to make the raid slot. When I got out here, the connection was so bad that I couldn't get access. I was furious for four or five days. All of a sudden, that became more important than the snooker. That's awesome. Few things are more important than snooker, though. Yeah. I haven't been watching the World Championships, have you? Absolutely not. You're not a fan no. of snooker, Stefan? Nope. This is going to be a struggle, because Simon is. I've been oh, to watch he? the snooker with Simon. Have you? Together. Yeah. We've got those little earpieces where you can listen to the commentary where you, you know, and then the whole audience chuckle at, wow. at something that commentators said funny. But I can't really talk about that with you guys. Snooker's not a big thing in France, <laughs> is it? It doesn't no. really... No. Okay. Uh, well, it's a nice story. Makes video game fans feel more normal that, you know, a yeah. sports star, albeit snooker, is into games as well. Well, but to the point where it's affected his p 
play. And I think, like, this is the interesting thing. Um, you know, these games particularly that he mentioned, um, you have to put in a lot of hours to them. You and really and if you have an addictive personality, which he says, he says, I do just have an addictive personality. Uh, when you have, when you start plowing hours and hours into something, then that repetition become, uh, can sometimes become addiction. And that's what uh, happened for him, mm. it seems like. But also, uh, you know, being a snooker star, traveling to all of these places mm. around the world and by all of these places around the world, I mean, very specific countries that are interested in snooker. For example, the country of Sheffield <laughs> and the country of China. Um, Travelling all around the, the world gives you a lot of time in hotel rooms, bored on your own. Mm-hmm. What else are you meant to do apart from play Diablo? I don't know. World of Warcraft. That sort of thing. So it makes sense that he's fallen for these things. Yeah. We have heard video games being used as an excuse for sports stars in the past, haven't we? Yeah, who was it? Yeah. David James, yeah. Liverpool goalkeeper, once let in a goal, a bit of an embarrassing one where the ball hopped over him, said he was thinking of FIFA at the time. Oh, mate, come on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, any other examples of sports video game? No. no. Michael no. Owen was into gambling, so you could imagine it's something he'd slip <laughs> into as well. He was into dead or alive extreme beach volleyball, <laughs> the gambling section. Maybe. Don't know. Have you ever thought about what will happen to your life's work when you die? Probably not. The same can't be said for the creators of simulation game Dwarf Fortress. After the game was featured in the Museum of Modern Art's 2012 Applied Design Exhibition, the museum asked developers Tarn and Zach Adams if the, if it could have the source code in the event of their deaths. They agreed, so the game's code will live on forever in museum history. As cool as this is, it does sound like the start of a murder she wrote plot. Tarn and Zach had better be wary of any over-eager museum employees. I love this story. Um, have you? Have, did you read the article, the original article that's based on where he was talking about it? Yeah, uh, yeah. So he, he thinks that the game, originally the article said it's going to take more than 99 years to complete. Yeah. Uh, but that's been updated to say, you know, oh, there's a bit of a misunderstanding that. It turns out it's only going to take 20 years, 20 more 20 years. 20 more years, yeah. And as creators of video games know, when you say something's going to take this length of time, it's actually going to take that plus probably half that length of time again. But they overestimated already, so maybe they're just doing it in reverse. <laughs> yeah, it's it's is, only going to take five years. Uh, we'll see. I don't think Dwarf Fortress is going to be complete in five years, but I also loved the bit of the story where it said the museum, they've been really helpful, and they'd asked if they'd got anything, you know, any of the bits of paper written down, and they were like, you don't want to see those, because <laughs> they're just embarrassing as all of my notes for every video game that i've ever seen you know start off writing um notes for video games end up just writing jokes about cricket that literally happened on saturday literally happened i'm writing a book about cricket jokes now instead of a video game because it's easier to do Neither of do you, you like cricket why, either, do you? No, do you think that's why that's taking uh, them so long to make Dwarf Fortress? They just keep, uh, keep, they keep writing jokes writing jokes instead of making making <laughs> the game because it's of, a bit harder. A lot of, I'm sure that's true. I mean, Dwarf Fortress is a very hard game, but it's also brilliant that a museum's getting involved with uh, keeping these things alive as well. Uh, Stefan, do you uh, intend any games that you have been a part of to end up in a museum in the event of your death? <laughs> <laughs> that's not a threat. By the way, not explicitly. Not yet. Not no. explicitly. Um, maybe a Resident Evil or something like that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Which museum would you put it in? Ooh, uh, doesn't matter as long as long as it's Resident Evil, it's fine. Okay, I'm not picky. I'd like uh, any game I ever worked on to end up in the Science Museum. Really? Because that feels legit. 
finally, in an unlikely pairing, Grand Theft Auto 5 is being used to test the AI of driverless cars. This might at first seem like an absolutely terrible idea that will doom us all, but actually, according to a Princeton professor of operations, research and financial engineering, the game provides the richest virtual environment they could extract data from. With 262 vehicles, over a 1,000 unpredictable NPCs, 14 weather conditions and loads of bridges, tunnels and road signs, GTA 5 provides a pretty good environment for simulations that don't have to be created on an actual road. Mm, it does let you simulate other things. Sounds to me... Yeah. Who's the, who said that? Uh, a professor at Princeton. At Princeton, this is where this study is taking place. Yeah. Sounds to me like somebody wanted to <laughs> expense a copy of GTA and saw a way of oh. doing it. And then someone in the the news and communications team was like, oh, Oh, you're doing this? Oh, wow! We should we should probably put no, this no, put this no, out. No, no, this is definitely. Well, I mean, I agree with you. This is definitely a story that's escalated actually from someone trying to get through <laughs> a copy of that, put it on expenses. It's gone through to, uh, you know, the finance team. They've been checking it line by line. They've gone, hold on, called up the department. They've gone, oh my goodness, we've got to think of it. Wait, we've got a driverless car study. Yeah, just to get just just talk to someone theft. there. Oh no, wait, no, don't. <laughs> let's not study theft. Auto. Uh, good though, good good news story for video games. Although with a little bit of tongue in cheek of yeah, this horribly violent video game is being used for good. Lol. Well, um, I read a, a study today saying that they are going to be testing the first fleet of driverless cars mm. uh, on actual roads in I think it was twenty nineteen. So to be honest, anything where they're testing the cars in any kind of simulation that's not real roads before they end up on actual roads is it's, it's probably a good thing. It's probably for the best, even if it's in something thing. murderous. It does remind me of something that Simon was telling us while we were in Copenhagen, yeah. which is that his son has been trying to persuade him to get uh, the Grand, <laughs> uh, Grand Theft Auto Five, and as part of that has promised him he won't do anything bad in it. Sounds <laughs> <laughs> like a challenge. Uh, you know, worth a try. Well, you know, driverless cars, maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe just contribute to the study. Maybe Dexter know. just has been, you know, wanting to test these driverless cars for years, and this is his chance. Thanks, Anne. One Life Left Video Game News with Anne Scantleberry.
You're listening to One Life Left on Resonance 104.4 FM. Resonance, of course, the greatest radio station in the whole world and why we get to call ourselves a radio show. Not through any sort of standards or anything. We're just literally... A show on the radio. A show on the radio, so... You can't take that away from us. I mean, they can. Resonance could. Yeah, the resonance I mean, they absolutely... Please don't. But, I mean, listeners... I suppose listeners could by complaining yeah. that we're a show on a radio. Don't, just maybe don't talk about it. Don't talk about the option. We're a podcast. Yeah. We're, <laughs> we're Until a podcast we tell you that's fallen onto the radio. Yeah. Right, anyway, uh, we're One Life Left. We're a show about video games. We also play uh, chiptune music. This is a uh, artist called Amateur LSDJ. Song itself is called Equestrian. Um, it's from chipmusic.org where we get all, nearly all, of our bleepy music from. Uh, usually at this point, I'd ask Simon to comment on it and he sort of go, Yeah, it's good. Well, it's over now. Done. Stefan! Yep. Welcome to One Life Left. How do you think it's going? Um, well, I hope so. Yeah, sounds like a 7 out of 10 to me. I agree. What brings you here? Well, I'm here to introduce the new game from my company that is called, well, the game is called Wolf Crown. And the company's called Gameville. Yep. Right. You're based in? Uh, so Gameville Europe is based in Berlin. Ah. But Gameville is a Korean company. Interesting. Ah, right. Okay. Uh, complex already. Yep. More complex than uh, Snooker. Which not is that complex. Which is all right. It's not. It's not that complex. Maybe not as complex as cricket. Tell us about War of Crown. Sure. Well, War of Crown is a um, tactical RPG. Mm-hmm. Okay. That might remind uh, the old hardcore fans of those games that were released on consoles, like I don't know, years ago. And um, yeah, it's, give us some examples. Oh, I don't know, like, like Final Fantasy Tactics. Okay. Ah, oh, really? Like sort so, of Fire Emblem, maybe? That yep. kind of thing. Yeah. Interesting. Exactly. So what makes it... Uh, so this is uh, on what format? Uh, this is going to be on mobile devices, so Android and iOS. Everything is these days. I don't know why I even asked. So it's uh, reminiscent of Final Fantasy Tactics and Fire Emblem, that sort of thing. What are the differences? What makes it different? Well, thing is, uh, when the developers were thinking about this game, they... Like took a lot of uh, references for of uh, this genre, so they okay. they took like they check all the games for this genre, and then they basically made a compilation of the best features. I see. So it's all the good bits. Then that's yeah. what makes it different. None of the bad bits. Of course. Of course. Where was it developed? Uh, it's it was developed by the company As One that is located in Korea. Right. So it's a Korean game. Yeah. Uh, which you guys are now. Has it? been out in Korea already? No, no, no. It's going to be a global, uh, global, launch, global on launch on Wednesday. Yeah. Okay. And am I incorrect to assume that this is free to play? You're right. I am right. Free to play. Well, I mean, there's some good stuff about that. It's free yeah. for us to play. Uh, how does it monetize? So there's like, uh, you know, in-app purchases with like packages and just buy some currency and everything. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And that's basically. And it. what does that allow me to get new fighters? Or no, new? no, 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 no. Because otherwise it would kill the balance of the game. Because yeah, we really make sure that all games, like either War of Crown or like the other games we make, uh-huh. are really like free to play, not like pay to win. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's it's a really complicated thing to address that because at one hand you've got to be giving your you know your paying audience the feeling that they're getting something out of the game. On the other hand, um, I mean, both Anne and I have been playing Pokemon Go for mm-hmm. a long time now, uh, nearly a year, right? And I haven't. Have you paid for anything? In I it? paid for a few bits. I haven't but paid I for anything. I don't in regularly it. pay. 
but I'm super enjoying it, like, a mm. lot. I, I guess a closer thing to that would be fire, uh, the new Fire Emblem, which is uh, Nintendo's yeah. uh, free-to-play thing, which is tactical RPG, which it has definitely struggled to strike that balance between pay. And the way they've dealt with it is with a, I think they call it a gacha mechanic. The sort of I think so. drawing yeah, cards no. sort of thing. Is that in, in your game at all? So we have like some uh, summoning heroes. Uh-huh. That's but, right. That's what that has. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like that. And But, for example, to get like the credits and everything, uh, to be able to summon those heroes, you get that very easily by just like uh, completing like dungeons mm-hmm. or just like 10 missions or even sometimes just log in the game. Right, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's definitely similar to how Fire Emblem's played it as well. Uh, and it has kept that balance, I think. Like, it's, it's allowed me to play with players who, who have much bigger armies than me and have, uh, you know... Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Actually, we're, like, uh, very careful with the term, like, free-to-play mm-hmm. because we really make sure that uh, all players can access to, like, the high-level content right. without any issue. Okay. So, yeah, our vision is more like uh, rewarding the commitment from the players instead of like having players that pay like on one day and then nobody else on the other day. Like, mm-hmm. or uh, sure. uh, for us, it's more valuable to have like a bigger community, a big community that is committed to a game, mm-hmm. even if like some of them don't pay. Okay. What, what are the challenges in launching a Korean developed uh, game in, in Europe? Well, first of all, check if like the theme and the gameplay would play would be um, very um, sort of likable for the audience, uh-huh. and uh, so that means like yeah, the story is it okay? Like uh, the um, the content itself, of course, because since it's a mobile game, so a lot of people assume that the content is quite restricted, but actually, like all content is like quite large. It's mm. like really great for hardcore players and uh, yeah the end game basically is like also to join the arena which has uh, um, how to say it uh, real time PvP okay so yeah interesting real time PvP in a yeah. globally launching uh, game yeah. do you expect any kind of international uh, competition there why not like frisson though like between you know people clanning up in different countries that sort of thing well uh, since like the main core of this game is like find the right the perfect combination of heroes and enhance your heroes properly and everything and basically be the best in the arena so why not it kind of already generates some uh, spirit of competition I wonder whether the market <laughs> is ready to support a game that encourages cooperation between countries rather than encourages them to band up. Because we often hear about games, not just free-to-play games, but games you know, like EVE Online and mm. stuff where you end up with huge sections of space that are owned by the Russians and then you've got to negotiate, <laughs> which is, you know, was fun for a while because it starts to mirror real world and you're like, oh look, now we're negotiating with, with different countries to get access to things in places that literally don't exist. Maybe video games could encourage us to team up rather than fight each other. Yeah, well, that's why, for example, we have like some uh, social aspects in the game. So basically, you can like rate uh, each version of each heroes mm-hmm. uh, within the game, and basically, the servers calculate automatically all the ratings, and that generates sort of a tier list based on only the players' feedback. So that's already like quite some social aspect to like players helping other players. And for example, that's quite useful for like be- beginners that you know receive like some heroes, but they don't know if like if it's worth keeping or if or if they have to use them to enhance the other heroes. Okay. What's your favorite thing about the game? Uh, well, the fact that uh, the heroes 
they look like very good. Like for a mobile game, <laughs> I, I, I'm very surprised by the graphics. And uh, yeah, the content is like very great. Like for example, for each hero, you have like five versions because you have, you know, like elements like fire, water, mm -hmm. uh, darkness, light, and wood, uh, or no, wind. And each version has its own uh, visual and skill set. So it's like going deeper in the which version of which hero is the best and w which one you have to enhance and everything. There's a lot of strategy and everything. That's what I really like about it. I've seen a lot of that uh, that sort of uh, visual world building in, in these mm, games mm -hmm. as well. And it tends to breed a very sort of dedicated kind of fan, which I guess is part of what you're looking for. Yeah. Sometimes those fans get too dedicated, I've found. Uh, in the communities and the subreddits, you get, you know, fan art, fan fiction. Yeah, that yeah sort of I thing. see where, where this is going. No, I'm just wondering whether, the, you know, as someone involved in the property, whether that's something you support or whether something that you're wary of. Well, so far with the other games, we didn't have uh, such issue yet. Okay. So hopefully we won't have that issue with War of Crown. But uh, I don't think that, uh, of course, depending on the nature of the fan arts or of like course. the fan fiction. That's good everything. fan art. Sometimes it's because, great to see that. I've drawn some really great She does stuff. it all the I've time. some great stuff. You Be could commission some if yeah. you want, if you, you know. Can I, uh, but only if I can trace it, because I'm <laughs> not very good at free drawing. Thanks. It's fine. Good. It's fine. Good. But yeah, I mean, like, of course, like fun, fun works. It's always welcome, but also it depends on the content itself. Yeah. Um, what else does Gameville do? Uh, well, you have like uh, other social aspect is that you can uh, either invite uh, friends with you to join like dungeons and everything. Okay. Um, you have uh, daily dungeons that are only accessible on specific days. Uh, yeah, there are multiple of like different challenges, such as the wanted mode where you have like a specific boss that you have only two hours to defeat or something. So yeah, that's in War of Crown. Yeah, but are there other there are other games that Gameville publish yeah. presumably. Yeah, are they all of this sort of game or are they sort of? No, no, no. We have like different uh, genre of games. So it could be like either sport games like uh, the baseball license MLB, mm -hmm. or uh, could be like golf game, or we have like a shooter uh, called Afterpulse. Uh, could be like uh, another RPG called um, Dragon Blades, okay, or something more um, beat them all called Critica. So yeah, and are all of these uh, developed in Korea, or do you pick things up from? So most of them, the most of them are developed in Korea. But okay. for example, for the case of Afterpulse, the developers are from uh, Spain in Barcelona. Okay, so yeah, okay, that's super super interesting. Uh, where can people learn more about War of Crown? So, obviously, on the Facebook page, uh, facebook.com, uh, Wow of Crown Gameville. So, yeah. And uh, there, and, of course, on YouTube, to ju you just look for Wow of Crown Gameville, and that's it. Fantastic. Okay, uh, Anne and I will be starting a clan mm -hmm. uh, team. You can be in it if you want, if you've got good enough fighters. Mm. You don't want to be in it. Can try, but no promises. All right, ed edit this bit out of the radio show. <laughs> uh, thanks very much for coming on the show. You stick around with us sure. uh, for the Thank next you. half hour. Let's have a bit more music, and then we'll be back with the letters after this.
You're listening to One Life Left on Resonance 104.4 FM. This is... I really regret speaking at that point. I should have gone like that. We'll learn. Give me another 11 years. This is Degitix and Remember Your Name. Uh, we're a radio show that plays video game music. We also play video games and we'll talk about the video games that we've played later in the show, assuming yeah. you have played a video game. Let's find out later. <laughs> really? Might be a very short review section. We'll um, find out. I opened up my email just now, no spoilers, mm-hmm. for what we've got coming up next, and saw uh, an email that I sent yesterday uh, to your girlfriend. Right, okay. Because uh, while we were away, I was talking to her about micro-machines. That's right. You can't read out your own letter. Well, maybe you can on the letter. I can read out my own okay. letter. Uh, um, I, don't, I can't remember... I think we were talking about kids' toys and then we were talking about micro-machines and how much we both really, really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. And then I read yesterday that they're bringing out a new one. They are, with and Brian so, Blessed. Is it? It is. What? I mean, I only read it. I didn't listen to it. Oh, she told me last night when she got your email. Yeah, because she watched the thing that I sent her, which I didn't, <laughs> didn't watch. watch. Yeah. Um, but we are very excited, uh, Lisa and I, to play micro-machines in is this a letter? Should I have the letters theme on June, right now? O- on June the 23rd. PC, Xbox One and PS4. Oh, thanks, Anne. It just says, there's a new game coming and then a link to the Eurogamer article and then let's play it. And she said something that I can't say on radio. <laughs> yeah? Really? She said, look she's, at that carnage. She's normally... Something else. She's normally more polite yeah. than that well, okay let's go with the letters right. right Chris Stewart do you want to read that one or shall I read that one I'll do it okay. uh, greetings team and super special guests I recently completed Horizon Zero Dawn and thoroughly enjoyed it the story and storytelling really drew me in in a way that many games don't quite manage the game balances expo- exposition through the story with audio logs and text logs fleshing out the world and I found it really interesting that so much of the game's world lore including information that is quite crucial to the story is located in optional content what have been the most memorable things you discovered in a game that you actually had to go looking for? Love and Kisses, Chris Stewart. I tend to find that the most memorable things in games that I have to seek out are things that I've been told by other people and not by the game. I remember um, in one of the Mario games there is a, a secret door at the bottom... I can't remember, it might be Sunshine... Uh, where the secret door at the bottom of something where there's a book behind it, you can't open the door. You just can't open it. And people are still not sure why that's there. Um, it's not anywhere else in the game. And um, finding that was like really a case of following the sort of like game fact or whatever, you know, wherever I read about this forum post. And then that moment of reveal, feeling like you're on the inside of something that you should not be in, in on, like that piece of information. Uh, we've got a letter coming up actually from John Maxwell, which, uh, you know, details that lack of incentive to explore worlds. Uh, I'm often not captivated by the stories in video games, but I am. You know, my interest is captured by the community. Also, going behind waterfalls and finding stuff. <laughs> That's always exciting, isn't it? I did that in um, in Zelda the other day. Spoilers. Right. Okay. Here we go. Mail for the show. Oh, no. I've opened the wrong one. Sorry. Give me a second. This is why we have Simon around to print yeah. stuff out. We're lost without you, Simon. John Maxwell writes, I played through Undertale earlier in the year and I loved it. 
Okay, so I got stuck at one boss fight too many while playing as a pacifist, then gave up and watched the run of a pac- uh, the real the rest of a pacifist run on YouTube. I still had to see the game all the way through somehow because I was so invested in the quality of the writing, the goofy charm of the characters and what the outcome would be for them. It's almost the polar opposite to the new Zelda game. After 60 hours playtime, I still can't get enough of how well refined the game design is, yet I could be barely less involved in the story or any of the writing. The moment-to-moment experiences of exploring the world are what make the game as good as it is, in my opinion. Will we always have a dissonance among modern titles written well and blockbuster titles that play well, but whose writing does not reach the same standard? Am I just thinking of the wrong examples, or am I proving how subjective taste is? A couple of Rockstar games might be exceptions to the rule. 7 out of 10 for both games, by the way. John. Uh, what do you think, Stefan? Are there good games, uh, good writing in AAA games that captures you? Uh, recently, you mean? Or, or any time. Oh, well, my first th- uh, thought is about like the first trilogy of uh, Mass Effect. Right, okay. So yeah, I'm like a huge nerd about it. 100% into the into the writing in that game. Yeah, I, would, yeah. I would agree with you. I thought some of the writing was exceptional. Um, also, writing in some of the older uh, older RPGs as well. I love the writing in Ultima 7. Uh, I thought that was fabulous at some point. Um and then there, are, there is writing good games. I don't think that that distance... I think it is harder to obviously write, you know, a million lines of dialogue and keep the pressure up, keep the consistency up um, on that. It's definitely harder, but it is possible. But I completely agree with John about the world in Zelda. Have you played Zelda yet? No, 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 no. Well, spoilers. The story is garbage and is for <laughs> children. The world is one of the greatest worlds I've ever been in in a video game. It's just such a pleasant, pleasant world to be around despite incessant uh, interruptions from the same three enemies. It is still a gorgeous, gorgeous world, but the story is is nothing. But your interactions with the world keep you there, keep you absorbed in the game. I have literally, as soon as I've got to a story cutscene in Zelda, you know, several occasions just walked out of the room because they're unskippable cutscenes, you know. Um... But that's video games. The reason we play video games is the moments of interaction, I think, generally. That's what compels us to keep playing, not necessarily the narrative. But it can be the narrative, as it is in Undertale. And in that case, the reason you keep playing is the same reason you keep reading a good book, because you're, um, you're interested in the writer. Um, with Walking Sims, I really enjoy them uh, when they're telling a good story because I don't have to do much else. <laughs> Like right. you just hit forward, and that's how the story unfolds. Or maybe you have to go and do a little something. But I find it hard to absorb like a huge story whilst also remembering, oh, I've got to do that. Oh, I've got to go over there and do that. I've got to go and do that. Yeah. Well, John's point there is that literally beating the boss has got in the way of him experiencing yeah. the story, right? In which case, the the gameplay is an interruption to the reason he is there, or the thing that we regard as the gameplay traditionally. You know, uh, in Zelda, I have, I think I said last week, just gone up to the boss, taken loads of potions, and just hit it on the ankle until it's died. There's nothing fun about that at all. I'm just getting rid of that because I want to be able to explore a little bit more of the environment around the boss. I want to enjoy the experience leading up to that, but the actual gameplay there is nothing. Um, But we're compelled to put it in there because that's how games work. I think that we are getting more nuanced in that and braver with things like walking simulators, which have very, very little traditional gameplay. You're just hitting the next trigger point. Humph, we do have another letter. Yeah, we do. Uh, do you want to read yeah. it? Yeah. Okay. Uh, hello, team. Hello, super special guest. Um, wait, do you want to... There we go. 
Over Lent this year, I decided to try and cut down on repeating myself. One way I did that was to move all of my regular time wasters off my phone's home screen and put shiny new games there instead. Now Lent is over, I realise that I've just got a new selection of standard time wasters. I'm getting sucked into Guild of Dungeoneers, uh, build the dungeon for an autonomous character to trek through, 7 out of 10. Uh, I'm awful at Circa, Infinity, avoid devilish creatures, 7 out of 10. And not so bad at Galaxy Trucker, cobble together a spaceship with sewage pipes, 7 out of 10. Uh, What do you do, what do you play when you're stuck on the tube? Pip, pip, Robert. For me, it is perpetually hoplite. Uh, and as far as I can see, it will always be Hoplite. Uh, what about you, Stefan? I know it's going to sound cheesy, but I'm playing like one of the games from my company. It's called like <laughs> Dragon Blade. So yeah, I'm quite like, addicted to it, sadly. Uh, strong answer. Um, it's usually something that I've reviewed probably not very favourably on the show like a couple of months ago that, that, that's just sat there and I just can't <laughs> stop playing it, even though I don't think it's a very good game. Right. Um, do you have a folder for those? I do. Yeah. I have a folder called OST, you're better than this. Oh. Uh, which is just those sort of things. Oh, why am I still playing this stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I feel bad now saying the name of the game that I've been playing quite a lot, which I... Uh, Rings. Right. I didn't love it. Like, it's good. I didn't love it. I didn't mm. think it was exceptional, but I can't stop playing it when I'm on the tube. Or uh, Niko Atsumi. I do love uh, the game that uh, uh, Robert Wells just cited there, Circa Infinity. I think mm-hmm. it's absolutely brilliant. Really, really beautiful design and clever, clever, clever game. I haven't played the others. I will look them up. Okay, if you've got any letters for One Life Left, and really you should... Uh, because we do need them. Yeah. Then the address to write to. Team at onelifeleft.com.
back to One Life Left on Resonance 104.4 FM. My name is Steve Curran. In the studio with Anne and Hi. Stefan. Yep. Wait. 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 Huh. Steph. Anne. Stefan. Very good. The perfect guest for Very today. good. Oh. Good job Simon isn't here. Yeah. Actually. You'd have ruined it. Mm. But are you implying them like a combination of, the, of you two guys? Yeah. You're the, all the best all the bits. Best bits. All, the best bits. all the best bits. All the best bits yeah. of us. Fair enough. Simon's all the worst bits. Yeah, <laughs> that's, exactly. that's why we work so well together. We worked quite well together at the weekend, didn't we? We did. We were literally working. Yeah. Hard. Uh, we went out to... Nordic Game Jam 2017. It's the 11th, I think, Nordic Game yeah. Jam. Is that right? Or am yeah, I making no, that no, up? No, no, no. I think I might be making no. that up. No? Nope. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> it's uh, it, There have been loads of Nordic Game Jams, and it is the biggest Game Jam. Five? Eleven. Seven. Somewhere Twelve. A number. Just fix it is in that, post. It's more than one. It's loads. Uh, there were 700 people there jamming in a big room and we were privileged enough to be invited to cover it. So you will hear uh, two hour-long One Life Left specials coming up. I'm not sure when we're going to broadcast those on Resonance. Uh, but they will come up very soon. We talked to some brilliant, brilliant people over there, didn't we? We did. I just said, oh yeah, we were working very hard. In comparison, we didn't do anything. Uh, there was... Um, there were just tables and tables and tables of people um, m- making games. Just really hard, making games loads. Yeah, <laughs> people were given a theme. Uh, the theme was not there this time. Which was interesting. It was confusing because a lot of people thought the theme just wasn't there. Uh, that's Leave Luck to Hell, by the way. You can find them on Chip Music Dog. Uh, but once they had processed the fact that the theme was not there, uh, then you had... I can't remember how many games. I think it was about 200 in the end mm. of them. Uh, in the end, uh, 200 games and loads and loads of teams making games with people they didn't know, making games with people they did. All around that theme, some brilliant, brilliant ideas. Uh, we contributed a little to some of them, barely. Well, we told the Unity guys to call their game One Platform Left. That's true. But they, it turns out they misheard us. <laughs> and so they called it One Platform Less which is a better title, a really, to be honest, yeah, yeah. for their game. Uh, so you can play all of these games. You should do. They're all on itch.io, and there's some absolutely brilliant things, a lot of VR games there. Uh, and you can listen to the podcast as well, which will talk to some of those game creators. And also the organisers. We should do a special mention to the organisers, really, because they were fantastic. I don't think we've ever been looked after as well uh, on a trip like that. We were fed. We were given rooms with so many beds in, we didn't so know what, beds. To, what to do. I did. I Slept in one of them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah good, good choice. Yeah. Uh, yeah, six beds in each room. Uh, and given, yeah, delicious food. And given a lot of drink at the Marioki. Yeah. A lot of drink. Yes, see. A lot yeah. of drink. A lot of drink. But it went well. I was a bit concerned the day after that, because I can't remember the end of it, really. No. Uh, but but um, we had a lot of positive feedback. It's fair to say the presentation was aggressive. Yeah, I think it was our most aggressive Marioki ever. Most aggressive Marioki ever. Uh, but, uh, but, but it's fine. HR is going to put a cap on the time that we start drinking before we host <laughs> events in the future. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's probably a good idea. And um, actually, we had quite a lot of positive feedback about the aggression the next day. Interesting. Yes. Interesting. So that went well. I'm not saying we're going to be that aggressive in the future, but um, certainly the guys from Amaze were like, yeah. 
thought the room needed it. Wow. So okay. maybe that's just... Uh, uh, do you know what I woke up with the next morning? Bruises. Yeah. Mm. Really giant bruise on my knee because for a couple of the songs, um, I dramatically fell to my knees. That's important. Uh, because I was really feeling it, really feeling it. Um, but I fell on a cable uh, and, it, and I Oof. got a bruise on my knee. And as the bruise developed, the cable line came out. So nice. that's what you get if you invite us to do karaoke at your event in your country anywhere. We but will literally harm ourselves. We have literally had invitations after that karaoke, so so worth it. So worth it, a hundred percent. Next karaoke uh, confirmed today. Uh, actually, well, we've got Nordic game coming up on the twenty somethingth of May. Uh, then we're eighteenth. Eighteenth is like the twenty something, and then we Ish. are back to London for the twenty. 20- Fifth? Something. I think that sounds right. Yeah. 25th of May. Shh. Yep. Whatever the Friday is. That. And then we are off to Amsterdam mm. uh, for June, uh, which is exciting because you can't make that nope. one. So it's lads, lads, lads. We're substituting you out. Yeah. With Simon Parkin. I mean... I mean, lads, lads, lads. You're never going to get as good as me, but if you're going to replace me... And while HR's away... My goodness, you are not getting an expense account. Uh, so, yes, see you all there, all of those. I think it is just about time for the review section. Right, well, now we find out. Anne, what have you been playing? Right, I played loads. Really? I, can't, I don't know the name of any of them. Uh, <laughs> it's awkward, uh, isn't it? Good and bad there. Yeah. Okay, where do we start? Uh... Well, to be honest, I played on Simon's Switch quite a lot at the weekend. Uh-huh, maybe I know what you've played then. What's the one with the baby? Zelda. No. <laughs> That's the one for babies. The one the one where you have to gently rock the Switch controller. One, two, Switch. That. Played like quite a bit of that. Right. Okay. Sarah Brynn. And I played the baby one. I saw that. I've got a photo of that. Yeah. You rocking a baby to sleep. Horrible. Okay. Um, so tell us about One Two Switch. So it's lots of mini games uh, that you play, two of you, okay. one two, um, and you play a lot of them with the can like the little switch. What are they called? Switch motes. Yeah. Let's switch mote. Uh, Joy switches. Yeah. Switch pads. Switch, 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 switch bits. Switch bits. Switch bits. Yeah. You each get a switch bit. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yes, yeah, so you play all these mini games. Um, and so we did a milking one, which looks weird. And you have yeah. to shake the switchy. Do you know what I liked about that? Bit. Is you, you, and Sarah Brim were doing the milking thing, yeah. and Simon was just sat behind the screen that you were just bit just weird. leaning back, bit weird. with a big grin on his face, watching. And you know, he t- afterwards he explained the big grin. Yeah. He just went. I got 17 once. Yeah, he did. Yeah, and we were only getting like seven, nine. He knows, he knows how to work a he, switch bit, though. He knows how he? to milk a cow. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the one that really freaked me out is, so you put the switchy bits back on your switch Switch bits screen, back on the switch. Uh, and then you use that, and then you hold it like it's a baby in your arms, and you rock it backwards and forwards, and there's a there's a... A face, a video of a baby's face. A literal baby on the screen. A literal baby on the screen crying and you have to rock it until it stops crying and then you put it down gently and then if it cries again you have to pick it up and rock it again. And then at the end it goes 105 seconds. I, what did I do for 105 seconds? I don't know. Good. But there was a baby. Good at um, Yeah, that, that was a bit weird. Uh, I also played Snipper Clips with Simon a lot. 
he was trying to get everyone to play snippet really clips liked with him. It. Mm. it was a lot, a lot of fun. Well, don't forget we made them. Biffle style. We Good. made them, they came on the show. Yeah. And then they went off and made snipper clips. Now look at them. Seven out of ten. Uh and we also played a racing around game. Didn't like it because I didn't understand it. Was it the 3D not F Zero game? Maybe, yeah. Yeah. It's not F Zero. And you have to change the colours and it goes. Yeah, vroom, vroom. It's, it's not F Zero. Okay. I, I don't know what it's called. But it's not F Zero. Like, to be honest, this isn't the most prepared I've ever been for a review section. <laughs> really? Because you are acing this. Yeah. Uh, Switch is great, though, isn't it? Yep. Um, yeah. Might get one. Stefan. Yep. What have you been playing? Oh, I'm still trying to go through Mass Effect Andromeda. Oh, okay. How are you getting on with that? Because you are a fan of the classic Mass Effect yeah. trilogy, as I understand it. Yeah, you understood right. Let's say that um, my first impression wasn't a good one. Okay, because neither was the rest of the internet. Yeah, uh, because, of course, I started to play like so right after launch, so before they like released this big patch. Mm-hmm. And yeah, let's say that the conversation with like the NPCs and everything were quite um, expressionless. Okay. And yeah, otherwise, I mean, it's a Mass Effect game, so of course I have to go through it, but still, it's, I'm a bit disappointed. How are you finding the dialogue? Because obviously you're a big fan of the writing in the previous Mass yeah, Effect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know, it's like, it's too much. Like, I think I heard the word Pathfinder like every <laughs> two or three sentences. Yeah. So yeah. So it's like Zelda and they keep saying shake a slate and I'm like stop trying to make that happen it's not a thing I mean, it, it thing. feels like it's not Mass Effect but Pathfinder effect yeah right get you uh, but you, you you sort of got past that initial thing and you're sort of locked in now a bit uh, well I don't really have much time to, uh, to recomplete it but still I'm going through it so yeah maybe mm. I will be, when I will be back I will go through it again okay score yeah it's it's very nice still, but yeah, there's still some you know bugs sure. and everything, and yeah, for like uh, because I play on the PS4 uh, version with the PS4 version, yeah, it's still a shame that like, there are some bugs that really uh, kills the mood when you play it. What are you gonna give it out of ten? Ooh, uh, I would say five point five. Seven. Good, good, good. makes sense. Uh, Okay, so I've been playing quite a lot this week, or actually mostly last night. Uh, So I played everything. What? I played everything, the game, everything. Okay, that makes more sense. Okay. So uh, the game Everything, it's by David O'Reilly, the guy who made Mountain. We've talked about Mountain on the show before, haven't we? Oh, yes, yeah. The infamous non-game game so have you heard of everything heard of no everything, everything? because no. when you said I've played everything we were both confused yeah. that maybe you'd played no, I thought maybe you'd, you'd, maybe like you'd played the whole library of games I thought yeah. you were doing that as a joke no yeah. Steve no well hmm. uh, everything is a game in which you get to be everything so you start off and you are apparently nothing and then suddenly you are something and the something that I was was a grey horse. Huh. So I wandered around as a grey horse. Actually, the way you move as a grey, as any kind of animal, is you kind of tumble in third person. So head over heels, tumbled around as a grey horse. Uh, eventually, after a while, I became a bush. 
and I sort of shuffled around as a bush, and then I was a plant. After a plant, I became a bug. And after a bug, I became a mic. No, I became a bit of dirt. As a bit of dirt, I got together with five other bits of dirt, rumbled around. Had a party? Had a party. Then I became a. Um, well, I tried to get smaller, but I could only get bigger at that point. So then I became another plant, and then I became a tree, and then I became a giraffe. And from a giraffe, I got five giraffes. Then I became bigger again. I became an island. And as an island, I became a planet. And as the planet, and then became the sun, and then became the galaxy. Then I started to get smaller again. Anyway, to cut a long story short, I became a polygon. Basically, you switch identities around the world, talk to things, see their thoughts, and occasionally listen to the philosophical ramblings of a philosopher whose name I've forgotten. But if you asked me to guess, I'd say it was Alan James. Is that a real philosopher? I don't know. They both sound like names, though. Yeah. Uh, you listen to recordings from his lectures, which are from the 60s, I think, while you are shifting perspective from one of these things to another. It is a very interesting game. I'm not sure you would exactly call it fun, a bit like Mountain, but it kept me absorbed for about an hour and a half. How do you switch? Uh, you look at something and then ascend or descend into their bodies. Okay, because I'm trying to picture the transformation between tree to giraffe and yeah, yeah. I'm quite confused. You descend. Okay. You just look at a giraffe and you go yeah, I'd like to descend into the giraffe. Suddenly you're seeing the world from the giraffe's perspective and obviously as a giraffe you can see certain things. As a microbe you see a whole load of different things but it's the same environment seen from that perspective and at a point you are a whole universe, right? Mm -hmm. um, another point, you are a carbon molecule. In terms of scale, that's pretty astonishing. In terms of uh, Simon's viewpoint of games, it's uh, you know it's it's not something that you you may think is fun unless you like ticking off the huge list of things that you can become. Um, but it left me genuinely found myself on the edge of my seat at a point, like just like literally leaning forward and any game that makes you lean forward into the TV I think has to have something so I really really enjoyed that experience um, I also played that game that a few people are going on about on the internet at the moment uh, oh goodness me I forgot what it's called it, it builds itself as a roguelike it's a platform where oh, you shoot stuff Dan Marshall was talking about um, stop, stop saying F uh, oh, what do you come think on. of it? Well, here's what I mostly thought about it. It's not a roguelike. It's a roguish? It's a platformer where you shoot stuff and you collect perks. And you die and you restart and you've got more perks. You explore randomly generated chips. It's not a roguelike. It is nothing like Rogue. It's like Rogue Legacy, which was nothing like Rogue. Uh, filter by... Hold on. No, no, no. Show recently played... We're going to get to this. We've got about another I mean, 25 seconds. No, we will. We will. Should I start wrapping up? Start wrapping up. Hold on. Uh, thank you so much for coming on, Stefan. Got thank it. you for having me. Oh. Got it. <sighs> Flint Hook. I told you, F. 7 out of 10. Thanks so much for coming on, Stefan. Thank you for having me. Uh, what are your plans whilst you're over here? Well, trying to visit a bit because it's my first time in London. So, yeah, trying to visit some I'll take you to some snooker. Just watch out for the cars on the left. Yeah, we'll try to remember that. All right. Uh, thank you to all the listeners for yes, listening. Thanks. Thank you for all your patience. Apologies to everybody.
but we'll see you next week. See Goodbye. You, bye. <laughs> 